Um, we should, we should be we should be good to go, and we're we're here. All right, Looks thank good. you, the the gingerbread man from the mountains, as as I would say, the young Tomazi. <laughs> thank you for being on the the unmapped show here. Um, so I know you've only listened to one episode, which is what you said uh, before I started the recording. Um, but you know it's changed a lot since the beginning. So what I do, generally speaking, is I talk about anything from education to upbringing, culture, current events, uh, to passions. And, um, you know, you always came to mind for when I started this show for someone who really stands out in terms of uh, the, the decisions they've made in college. Um, but before we get into all of that, I want to go straight into kind of high school background, uh, you know, where you grew up, where you started, uh, your upbringing through high school, um, upcoming to your college decision to go to Stony Brook University, because, you know, I, I was with you freshman year, so I know you went there. Yeah. Um, so going to Stony Brook University, and then we'll go more into after you got here. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, growing up in New York, I mean, it was pretty, pretty typical suburban kind of Westchester County upbringing. Um, immigrant parents, kind of like I feel like everyone in Stony Brook has. Um, no, but my high school was good. I actually talking about Stony Brook. I mean, my high school is pretty plain Jane, boring. But um, I didn't want to go to college, and going to Stony Brook was kind of like a last resort for me. My parents really wanted me to go to school. Um, and Stony Brook was just, it was close to home. It seemed like a good place to be. Um, and it was really, it wasn't even my choice. It was just like, all right, kid, like you're going to school. I'm like, all right, like sign me up, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's how I made it to Stony Brook. And um, man, would I have regretted it if I didn't, if I didn't go um, looking back. I mean, just like the memories making, like we made that freshman year. Um, yeah, freshman yeah. year was quite a time, quite a time. I'll never forget. Like, I will never forget that one year of my life. Um, and it's crazy to think, like, what was that, like, three, almost three years, almost four years ago at this point. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, it kind of just happened by chance that I, like, went to Stony Brook and ended up in a room 202 um, with, like, some of the best people I ever met. So, yeah, I'll never forget that. Did you, so, even from high school, before you even were thinking of college, you already knew that you kind of didn't want to go to college. So, that was like pushed on you, not not pushed on you, but like kind of your parents kind of persuaded you to kind of go to college and made that decision more for you than you for yourself. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, um, me and my parents, they both, you know, typical rags to riches story, um, immigrating from Poland. And um, for, for them to hear that their son didn't want to go to college was kind of, um, I mean, that's like the last thing. That was almost worse than like hearing me like getting into, you know, drugs or, or stuff like that. Um, you know, because like the whole American dream thing, especially I feel like in immigrant families, is really pressed upon. Um, I'm sure you know, yeah. um, and a lot of our friends, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just thought I was, you know, like a rebellious little 17 year old. I really wanted to go into the military and um, just uh, not like follow the system or whatever. Um, which ironically, I feel like getting into the military would be the most like, you know system you're you're in it yeah. yeah like you're in the system like you're part of it yeah so um yeah really didn't want to go but so what did what, what did you want to do when you when you uh were you know senior year of high school graduating when everyone was kind of deciding on colleges and like doing all of that stuff um my big thing was like i did want to go into the military like i just i want to do something different i want to do something cool i guess um but thinking back, I haven't thought about it for a while, but it seems like um, I thought it was better than college. Like, I thought that, you know, anybody could get a four-year degree. Um, I don't know. 
I just, I almost wanted, I almost just wanted to be different. Like everybody in my high school went to college. Like every single person that graduated high school went on to college. Um, and it kind of, I just wanted to be different, I guess. So that's, that's um, interesting that you say that. Cause I say this in, in a lot of the people, uh, a lot of the recordings and a lot of the times I talk to people is that college and like getting an undergraduate degree has become just like the new, like high school degree. Like it's the norm, oh, yeah. you know, as soon as you finish high school, you're 18, it's you go to college. It wasn't like that, you know, just a couple of decades ago. Going to college was uh, a privilege, like quite a privilege. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I think it's a great thing. And I think it's, uh, you know, looking back at it, um, especially now that I'm kind of, you know, finishing up with school, um, I think it's an experience everyone should have. If it's not for the academics, just for the people that you meet and the experiences right. that you have and being on your own. Um, and, you know, I mean, even growing up in an hour north of New York City, we had you know, little to no diversity there. And being at, you know, Stony Brook, where there's a lot of diversity, um, and just being experienced and uh, exposed to different cultures, um, even if I didn't learn a single thing in my classes, which I probably didn't, um, it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it just for that. Um, so, yeah, totally. Like, it is, like, the new high school degree. as a bachelor's degree, but um, I don't know what I would be without it. And I don't know what, you know, I think a lot of people are missing out if they don't go through that. I actually have this discussion with my mom all the time is because my little brother, he's, he's, he's starting high school now, so he's 14. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he's going to go to college. Like It's 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 almost de like destined that he's going to go to college. And whenever we have the discussion about my little brother, they're like, oh, you know, dorming was really expensive for me because they sent me out here. Mm -hmm. But uh, for him, they, they think that it's not worth it anymore. They think that he should commute or, you know, maybe go to a college that's closer by. But I always tell yeah. him, it's like, I understand where you're coming from financially speaking. But mm -hmm. I, I even volunteer. I was like, if I can pay for him to go and dorm when he's that age, I 100% will. Yeah. Because I think dorming, that experience of finding so many people, connecting with them, mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of absorbing so much information from so many different backgrounds just completely changes who you are as a person. Absolutely. Yeah. And looking back, I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't stoked on living at the dorms at Stony Brook. And, and, and even at the dorms here in Utah, um, I really didn't like living there. I felt like I kind of felt isolated. Um but being so isolated from, you know, like your surroundings, you almost, you become so close with the people that you are with. Um, and I do miss that. You know, I know you guys still live on campus, but I live off campus now. Um, and you really, it's a noticeable difference in the community. Like there isn't just like your, it's a neighborhood. You know, there's families that live in my neighborhood. It's not that kind of community um, that we really had, you know, at the dorms. So yeah, I mean, um, the dorms, like living with a group of like-minded or even not like-minded people, just same um, age people that are yeah. just, like, in the same predicament as you. And like all of us are from like all you know, from these different backgrounds. You know, like Alex right. is a really good example. Like you know, his life yeah. is so goddamn different, but he's in the same boat as us. Like the same school, doing the same kind of things. Um, right. So right. that commonality brings you together and kind of forms this this uh, um, kind of camaraderie between mm -hmm. all of you. Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, with our situation, you know, the, the OG 202, you know, squad, I mean, that was, <laughs> there was, there was some chemistry going on and it's kind of like, I never, um, I think that was almost unique and I don't want to sound like all high and mighty. Um, but like we had a good thing going. Um, and it was cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would have, um, I, like, <laughs> I had all white friends in like in high school, like, and there was only like white people pretty much that went to my high school. And so just that was an experience um, and just something different. But the dynamic was incredible. Um, just being thrown into a room together and just making it work. Um, 
yeah, yeah there is some cool. And I think that's a really big factor is the diversity. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, outside of just backgrounds, like ethnic diversity, a lot of people yeah. don't get that ethnic diversity from, you know, even if you're like an hour out, like you're in Westchester, which is not very far from New York, you right. still don't get that diversity. And like Col- Col- Colby's another good example, you know, coming from Skinny Atlas, New York, they mm-hmm. didn't have much diversity, you know, it was the very, very predominantly white majority uh, high school that he went to. And, uh, you know, he I remember freshman year talking to him mm-hmm. and like he, he like didn't like not as well. He, he just didn't know how to kind of go about talking to certain types of, of people. Like I, I could tell that he wasn't accustomed to it. Like, it's not like he was mm-hmm. bad at it or couldn't do it. He just wasn't. Yeah. Into it. Yeah. And you always can't fault people like that. And um, if you think it's if you think it's noticeable, you know, with people from like upstate New York in Utah, it's a lot worse. You know, it's a lot worse. I mean, you, there's, it's a, it's a different place out here, man. No, it's 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 a lot different. Um, my roommate, um, she's in Japan right now. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but she's super into the international affairs, um, and really into like the political scene. Um, and growing up in Park City here, which is kind of like the nicer spot, um, in Utah. Never even seen a Muslim person until she went to until she went to Morocco when she was like 19 years old, you know. And for someone to be that involved, but like never actually like physically like seen, yeah, you know, yeah. a Muslim person or like interacted, yeah. I was kind of just like, that's crazy. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. But you know, that's the reality in that's places true. like um, this. That's interesting you say that because one of uh, the per- one of the guests that I've had on this show, he has his own podcast. Um, he's the president of USG and he runs a podcast called called What Muslims Look Like, and his whole premise is that majority of people who have never met a muslim person have the wrong idea of what a muslim person looks like yeah the kind of message Mm -hmm. trying to send across is that you know if you ever meet a muslim person you understand like they don't look like a particular anything like if you you just saw me you wouldn't think i'm muslim Mm -hmm. you know like i'm just a normal person and i'm just brown i just happen to also be muslim i'm just brown you're more than just brown imran you're more than just brown thanks man But, uh, yeah, like, he's trying to spread that message. And if you don't ever – if you never encounter those people, uh, you know, people from those backgrounds, you're just not going to understand, mm-hmm. like, what's out there uh, unless mm-hmm. you, you know, go out of your way to find it. Right. Yeah. Um, the next thing I want to go into, and this is still before uh, your transfer, is uh, your major. So your choice of major. So you were, uh, I think, electrical engineering when you were here? Mechanical. Mechanical engineering. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and you did always have uh, a knack for or a kind of – uh, maybe a passion or a uh, kind of inkling towards uh, mechanics, but not technically engineering. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of why you chose that path uh, and then ultimately why you didn't want to keep going with it. Mm-hmm. And so that pretty much goes back to me not wanting to go to school and having to decide on a major or at least a certain track to go on. Um, and being that in high school, I was pretty into, you know, just kind of working on stuff. And that's what interests me the most. Um, was kind of mechanics. Um, it just seemed like a natural fit, and it was it, it was my parents that suggested they're like, you know, why don't you try out this mechanical engineering thing? That sounds kind of cool. Um, and I thought, yeah, like sure, I'll give it a go. Um, and then you know, coming into two hundred two, where like you know, people are doing mechanical engineering, but their first semester, freshman, they're in calc three, and I'm in pre, <laughs> I'm not even in pre calc. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm in over my head. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of, you know, it sounded cool. It sounded like something I'd be into. Um, so how, but yeah, I did not how, realize that much. How immediate was it that you were like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't for me. Um, 
Well, I think my first semester was pretty much just gen eds, but uh, my second semester, when I just, you know, I remember taking physics one and, and, and calc one, mm-hmm. and just, I'm like, even if I try to pass these again, like it's not, if I can't get through this, like it, I can't do it. Right. And I was okay with that. I think no, I think that's a that's a important decision to make early on in your, in your college career because there are mm-hmm. a lot of people that'll commit and like grind through it and forcibly learn all of this material, and then at the end of it, it's like I still hate this. Like I now what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to do with this? Um, and now they're in this position where they have a degree they don't really want to use, um, gotten all these skills that they didn't really want, and now you know they're not sure what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's better to make that decision earlier on in your career and then, you know, change it later on so you can actually go. Even if it takes longer, because who did I talk to? Um, I talked to my friend who goes to St. John's, and he switched or, you know, I think uh, he, he changed his path from law to psychology, I believe. But okay. he, it's going to take him an extra year from what, what I can tell, uh, from what I remember. And uh, even if it's going to take him an extra year, like, it's better than completing all four years than you lost four instead of the one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was just not for me, and you know, it happens. And, and how are you supposed to know? I mean, high school, high school is so limited in terms of what they teach you. Like, how are you supposed to know what you're gonna study as an undergrad? So, um, yeah, I got out of that as soon as I can. You know, no looking back, no regrets. No, that's, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. actually, it's a it's a good segue to the next question is on decision making for your decision to leave Stony Brook. You know. I was I was talking to Alex earlier today. We were playing Fortnite, and uh, <laughs> um, that's why I was actually late to get on Skype. But uh, <laughs> that sounds reasonable. I haven't played Fortnite, but that's like seems like a pretty reasonable excuse yeah, to be late yeah. to anything. Everyone's on that game. Uh, yeah. it reminds me of the Call of Duty days. But uh, yeah. I was talking to him, and I was like, you know, Tomas is like that. You know, that one girl that they tell you about, the one that that got away. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's nice to hear. <laughs> Soon after freshman year, in uh, you know, you made the decision. You're like, I want to go out to Utah. I want to, you know, go across a country and mm-hmm. you know, just do something completely different. Mm-hmm. That's a big decision, especially. I mean, I'm assuming you were still 18 at the time, mm-hmm. or like 19 at the at the max. I was 18. Yeah. Yeah. So you're still 18. So like, that's a huge decision to be like, all right, like I went to this school for one year. Just let me drop everything. You know, let me just move. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, I, I know this because, you know, we've talked before, uh, is you did residency there and, you know, mm-hmm. you're living out there and you're doing yeah. all these things. And I think, and that's going to go into another part of this is uh, after you moved out, is like how you kind of pursued all your passions and such. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, first things first is how you made that decision to leave Stony Brook and then, you know, move all the way to Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I almost want to say I had nothing to lose. I, I wasn't. <laughs> Um, and that's not to say that the connections I made didn't mean anything to me because every time I go back home, like I always try to make a point to, to see you guys because that's just such an important part um, of New York to me, you know, is, is the friends I made at Stony Brook. But just at the time, you know, like the major wasn't clicking. I still was kind of salty about being forced to go to school. Um, and I mean, Long Island just like it wasn't the place for me, right? I mean, there wasn't, you know, I was part of the sailing team. That was kind of one of my passions, but I wasn't really, even that I wasn't that into. Um, and it's kind of tough to pursue the things that I wanted to do where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really just felt like, you know, I didn't have much to lose and I had a lot to gain from a completely different experience. Um, and it was Luciano actually, who I remember he was trying to do that same program. Um, and just seeing somebody else do it, seeing somebody else go through the motions and try to do this thing. I'm like, Oh, that seems kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like I'll try it. Um, so it wasn't really, it wasn't that thought out. 
really. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I like I, I like skiing, and they had skiing in Utah. I'm like, no, nah, how? Like, I'll give it a go. And that was it. Was really a simple kind of decision making process, if you will. I think that simplicity, though, even though it sounds like it's you know, um, like not thought out or didn't have as much kind of uh, you know checks and balances in it. It's still mm-hmm. a decision that a lot of people are scared to make. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, when you feel something, you don't, you won't 100% know why you feel that way. But if you feel something, that there, there's some part of you that wants to do it. And I think right. acting on that is, is really important because I know for a fact you don't regret that decision of going out to Utah. No. And every time I see a snap, uh, like a, a snap or an Instagram story of you like skiing or, or hiking or, you know, being on the mountains or biking, all of this stuff, I was like, mm-hmm. that's, that's Tomas being Tomas. Like, it, yeah. it just makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know it's new. Side, quick side note. Yeah. You know how you're on the sailing team freshman year? Right. They still have the picture. of. I think you guys won a trophy that, that freshman year. Or like uh-huh. you guys won something. They have a picture of you in the wreck. Um, and like you stand out so well amongst the crowd of people that are on the sailing <laughs> team. That picture has been in the wreck all four years. You got to send me that picture because I didn't know what you're talking about. But I want to be uh, – I, I need that. It's, it's you that. like taking a knee and your calves just look gigantic, like absolutely <laughs> gigantic. And everyone else on the team is like, yep, that kid's, that's the reason we won. <laughs> what's, what's with you and my calves? I feel like you always comment. You're like, Yo, calves. Your calves make no sense. Your calves are gigantic. You don't, <laughs> from a bodybuilder, like someone who lifts perspectives, you don't understand like how much we I just, just ride my bike a lot, man. I just ride my bike. <laughs> okay. This, actually, this is, this is funny. Uh, this is really random. But um, one of the guests I had on, he's a um, uh, pro, um, I'm sorry, amateur physique competitor. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he worked at one of the gyms that I worked at. Uh, he actually tore or, like, um, caused his knee injury. I, I think it was an MC... MCL? MCL tear, I think. Yeah. But one of the, the reasons why he caused so much pressure on his knee was because he was doing extremely heavy calf races with, like, eight, oh. eight plates. So that's how you know people who body bodybuild and lift and, like, compete. They really want those calves, Tomah. <laughs> genetics man you know <laughs> as, a, as a tangent on calves but um right yeah <laughs> we'll cut going that back out to, going back to uh like you going going out to utah and stuff mm-hmm. is um you know so after you went out there what did you start you know pursuing in terms of uh, college and like cl- clubs outside of that yeah so major wise i i kind of transitioned into a little hippie phase of mine oh, nice. um yeah where i was <laughs> i i started um at first like tried to go with mechanical engineering. So my first semester, I was doing calculus, chemistry, and physics, which for me was just an overload. That was too much. And I realized, like, okay, like, I'm not meant to do this. So I, I, I segued into environmental studies. Um, and I'm not going to major in that anymore. I'm going to minor in it just because, you know, my priorities have changed and my interests have changed. Um, and just kind of growing up. Um, but, I mean, like, my biggest thing was skiing. You know, like, I just wanted to ski all the time. So um, just got in with a good group of people, all from the East Coast, actually, that moved out to Utah, and we got season passes to, to one of the mountains here, and that was kind of, like, the definitive experience, um, you know, <laughs> of being in Utah is skiing, like, for real. It's a it's a big deal, so. Um, How often do you ski on a weekly basis now, or, like, on a monthly basis, I'd say, but it's probably better, like, uh, no, I mean, weekly it depends, but, like, I try to go, if there's good snow, like, three, three, four times a week. Oh, my God, um, really? I mean, I, yeah, my, <laughs> my my commitment to school is a lot less than most people, so that kind of helps out. Um, 
No, but what 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 we'll what we'll do is um, if we're really pressed for time, we'll get up you know early in the morning and go skiing before school or work. Um, so I usually wake up by like four in the morning, um, be skiing by six, um, and just get in a couple laps before um, before class or school. So that kind of helps out with you know finding time to do that. That is such commitment. You wake up at four a.m. to go skiing. That's out. Mean, not not. <laughs> Not every week, but, you know. But, but still, just the fact that every once in a while, you'll be like, I want to get up at 4 a.m. to go do this. I want to go it's fun. Here. It's fun, man. It's And it's beautiful. Being up in the mountains, you know, and seeing the sunrise, it is, it's a spiritual experience. It is spiritual. I, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's another uh, thing I want to go into is you're kind of, you have this passion for nature, in my opinion, uh, you know. Mountain, you know, mountain climbing, rock climbing, biking, skiing, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Um, and you know, one of your big, one of the big factors of you moving out to Utah, you know, was the fact that you could do that. Um, like, do you ever see yourself doing anything with that in terms of? I don't know where I was going with this question, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, like, did you ever? Okay, did you ever dream a dream? Dream. The thing Colby said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you ever dream a dream where you dreamed about? I completely yeah. lost my, my fucking my railing on that question. Okay, I'm gonna start over. That's cool. All right. So you, I know you from high school on. You were on a lot of the teams. You were on track. You know, you mm-hmm. did sports. You did sailing, uh, skiing, and all this stuff. So all of these passions that you've had in terms of sports and athletics, have you ever considered, you know? that and more of a professional kind of aspect of it or doing something more than just a hobby. That's what I yeah. wanted to say, but I couldn't, I couldn't say it. I, I kind of felt that. I kind of <laughs> felt that. Because um, I absolutely have thought about that. Um, you know, the more time I spend in school, almost the more I realize this, you know, no matter what my major is, um, it's just, you know, a, a career in academia or even like a professional career, um, you know, in an office, you know, it's kind of cliche to say like I don't want an office job. But it's just the more I spend time in school, the more I realize, like, that's not really what makes me tick. Like, I'm not really that excited by that. But I am really excited about, you know, skiing and, and all this stuff and, and actually learning about it. Um, so ideally, yeah, I'd love to get in, um, you know, somehow, you know, make that a, a career of mine. Skiing or biking um, in a way that doesn't entail me being, you know, 50 years old and, and working at a retail store, you know, for 10 bucks an hour or whatever. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely more than a hobby, mm-hmm. but, you know, making that transition from hobby to career, it's, it's kind of daunting. Um, I mean, so then, uh, I think two good examples are, uh, the founders of Patagonia and mm-hmm. Bar. both of those people, um, uh, they're on how I built this, this is another podcast that I always listen to. Um, both those founders are like avid, like rock climbers and like mountain bikers. Yeah. So the, the. The founder of Cliff Bar was an avid mountain biker, which is why the logo on the Cliff Bar is his mountain is a mountain biker. Um, and then Patagonia, he was a rock climber. Yeah. So but, the uh, company that the company that I work for now, um, Yvonne Chenard, who started Patagonia, yeah, he yeah. started this company before. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Black Diamond, yeah. So he started that and then sold it and moved on to to Patagonia. But um, it's almost like kind of daunting, you know? Like these are the giants that came before you, right? Yeah, like, yeah. This is who you're up against. So, but uh, th- those two people, uh, you know, when I listened to the podcast uh, uh, and you know what they had said, it was like, yeah, we were just you know pursuing our passions, and we realized like there was this one thing that like we didn't have, so we wanted to fill that up, and we wanted to you know kind of 
uh, be the supplier of that. Uh, from mm -hmm. Patagonia, it was he didn't like the equipment. Um, mm -hmm. I think rock climbing equipment back in the day was that it was like a one-time use thing. Mm -hmm. um, and usually it wouldn't be the best quality. So you wanted to make like extremely good quality equipment that you could constantly use, which mm -hmm. is something Patagonia still does today is, is extremely sustainable clothing or equipment. Um, you know, they have that whole thing where uh, if, if you buy clothes from them, it's like lifetime guaranteed, uh, like they'll yeah. repair it. And then um, for Cliff Bars, it's like we don't have a snack or sustenance that'll keep us going for long enough. And, you know, he made this, this uh, kind of like protein bar that would just be longer lasting right and tastes good yeah like i mean being in yeah i mean i've i've eaten those and there's some garbage they come out with not cliff bar but just in general those energy supplements or whatever yeah, yeah. trash so you never know um, like what you're, what you're gonna end up doing yeah yeah definitely i almost wouldn't want to start a business though now it just seems not that it's gonna suck the the soul away from it but um <laughs> i don't know be cool doing something other than just selling stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, it, it's not the selling part that's the important aspect of that. I think it's the fact that it's like they, I think they, they didn't make it for the selling purposes. I mm -hmm. think they, the, the reason that they made it was like, oh, like this is, this is something we need. This is something mm -hmm. we want for right, right. we pursue our hobbies or activities. So you never know, yeah. you might find something where you're up skiing at like 4 or 5 a.m. being like, well, I think I need this and you just make it. <laughs> coffee that doesn't make you shit that's for sure Yo, i don't know why I, it, there's that, happens that would help time. that would help a lot that would 100 help a lot yeah, that'd be great <laughs> i'm not a chemist so i can't i i'll, I'll wait for somebody <laughs> um no it's it's actually listening to a different podcast that you know yvonne chenard um talks about founding patagonia um and yeah he talked about like when he was 15 years old just moved across the country um discovered mountains and you know his goals yeah it wasn't to sell stuff it wasn't to make money it was to um, to uh, his biggest thing is implement solutions to the environmental crisis. Like that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, and he just happens to make really cool stuff. So, yeah. His company is also great. really interesting. The structure of his company is like none other. I think it's <laughs> like seventy percent female, and they have like uh, on job site daycare and like just a lot of resources that most companies just do not have. Um, so it's really thinking outside of the box, like new age kind of companies and. Uh, I think those companies are the ones that are thriving a lot more in today's like society. Seems like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So going outside of school, going outside of passions and all of that stuff. Um, like, what do you see your? Oh, actually, wait. Yeah. Uh, before wait, before I ask this, I want to ask about the residency. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like off today with my questions. Well, good, <laughs> um, man. So good. you did you did a year residency uh, after yeah. getting to Utah. You took a gap year after you got mm -hmm. there. Um, yep. So the decision behind that and why you went through with it. Mm -hmm. so it was kind of oh my light's about to <laughs> my light was about to come crashing down on the computer um, I know it's probably going to happen again um, so deciding to stay out here I knew there was there was an option you know, to live out in Utah for a year and, and, and get residency so you'd be paying in-state tuition which, you know, everyone knows some secrets, substantially less. And a lot of my friends would do it their first year, they would pay out-of-state tuition, and then they would go on, and, and, and that one year would count towards getting in-state tuition. That's how the program worked. You would live in the state for a year um, and then get in-state tuition. The problem with me was I was on that student exchange, and it's not meant to be a transfer program. Like, the way it works is, like, you're supposed to go back to Stony Brook. 
um, or your your host, your you know your original school. Yeah, yeah. And I just wasn't having that. I'm like, I I, I was <laughs> I was I was in too deep, if you will. Like I'm, I kind of made a life of myself out here, so it, it would really hurt to give that up. Um, and I'd be going back to to pursue a degree and then just move right back out here. So I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I? Why would I just go back for three years or two years just to move back out again? Like that makes no sense. Right. Um. And so the only op, like the only feasible way of me staying out here was to take a year off from school, um, and just physically be present in the state of Utah. Like that was the one requirement, which I did. I went home for the summer and then came back to Utah and just worked for the whole year, and that was enough to get me to become a resident of Utah. Um, got my. Did you have a residency, collect like cards. Um, yeah. I'm in deep. I got a Utah driver's license. Like I'm <laughs> legit. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's that was my my choice was to go back to Sony or go back to New York or stay out here, um, even though that meant not going to school for a year and just working. So that's that's what I chose to do, um, which is also a good experience, just working right. for a year. Um, where, where where did you work? You worked at uh, oh, crap. What, did, what was it? I don't remember. So it's the same company that I work at now, but I worked in the for the whole year. I worked in their factory. Oh, so I was okay. making, okay, cool. I was making my climbing equipment. Okay, cool, cool. And yeah, that okay. was not cool. It was that, not. I'm assuming, but uh, yeah. I, it's interesting that a lot of the positions you ended up in had some affiliation more towards like your kind of hobbies uh, than yeah. it did school. So I think that's just like a natural inclination that you had. Yeah, yeah, I almost haven't thought about that, but you're totally right. <laughs> you know, like I'm not choosing these programs based on, you know, how how much they'll suit my career goals. It's you know. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is this is 40 minutes away from the mountains. Like I'm yeah, doing exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a natural inclination because of what you do. Um, right. Yeah. So the the last thing I I always ask uh, I always ask on this is um kind of what you see yourself doing in the uh, upcoming year. Um, kind of the you know if if you have for for you in particular it would be like if you've ever you know felt a regret for like the decision that you've made or you know kind of how you made that decision making process Mm -hmm. and um kind of where you see yourself going in the upcoming months or you know short term versus long term Mm -hmm. Um, because you know you're also you know uh, you graduating actually i don't even know are you graduating no i still have a year to go i still have at least a year to go because of that gap year yeah yeah so like for the next year, uh, I'd say for you in particular, it'd be like after that year, after you graduate, like, you know, and uh, again, this is a difficult question to answer, so it'd be like general. It's like, you know, where do you see yourself driving towards? Uh, Luciano yesterday says, he, you know, yeah. long term, he wants to be an airline pilot, uh, air, airplane or airline pilot, pilot of some sorts. Right. That flies airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. that guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I know that. Um, man, I couldn't tell you long term. Like I couldn't tell you, and that that uncertainty has kind of been been getting at me, but I've learned to embrace it, you know. And 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 it's almost cliche to say that like everything works itself out, but it truly does. If you have a, a if you have some sort of drive, some sort of passion, some sort of um, you know abilities or skills that you can um, translate, you know, into into your future, you know, stuff does work itself out. Um, I really couldn't tell you what I'm going to do like two years from now in terms of your career. Um, you know, it, it just kind of depends, you know, if I, if I find some, some 
opportunities. I always wanted to travel for an extended period of time. Um, you know, not just like a month or so, like live somewhere, you know, crazy for, for a year. Um, you know, long term, like that would be a great option, but, um, I don't know. And I, it's, it's kind of that uncertainty. Like it kind of motivates me, if you will, basically, you know, they're kind of to, to find something, to find that thing that makes me click. Right, so. right. You're basically yeah. kind of selling my show for me right now because that's, that's the whole premise of everything. I'm Unmapped, doing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't I'll be the model for, for Unmapped, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to say uncertain anymore. I'm going to say I'm unmapped. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm unmapped. All right, um, and then the last thing I always, uh, you know, like my guests to do is if you could, you know, give one piece of advice, and I guess you kind of already went through this is, you know, um, you know, what would you tell younger you or like, you know, what would you want to tell viewers or people who like watch this and, uh, you know, who are younger or, you know, are just as confused or more confused than we are? Listen to your mom. <laughs> Listen to your mother. And I, that that's, the, that's the first thing that came to my mind. And, and it might be a little, <laughs> I, I don't mean that like, I mean that a little bit as a joke, but almost, you know, when I first moved out, um, when I first started living on my own, when I first, like when I started working, I, I took my gap year. Um, almost every day I remembered something my mom taught me or, you know, like, oh, mom was right. You know, like she said this and, um, you know, just maybe 17 year old you doesn't know everything about the world and the people that came before you that know you, you know, almost better than you know yourself. Um, listen to them. You know, because if I can go back to like when I was 17, kind of thought I knew it all, um, man, I couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, I had no clue what was going on. Um, yeah, just almost every day I was learning. I was, you know, not calling my mom, but thinking about like, oh man, mom was right. So, um, but just kind of being willing to admit that you were wrong and, and, and not being stubborn, if yeah. you will, yeah. you know, being open to change. You know, I think that prevented me a lot as a high schooler from really progressing was my, you know, stubbornness and unwillingness to change my viewpoints. So I think that's know. really important. That, that's a really important because honestly, the, the, the key thing that you said is uh, uh, when it comes to, you know, your mom, like they, they have seen you grow, you know, from mm -hmm. birth to, to however old you are. So they see and know the way you behave better than you do because absolutely know, seen it the entire time yeah it's a key takeaway um, yeah and they can they can draw similarities to you know for you it might be a completely new experience but they can see when something is just a fad yeah. when something's just a phase right. for you whereas like you're all in it you know you know they, they kind of see the big picture a lot yeah, more than yeah, you 100%, do so. 100%. Yeah. Right, man. thank you for being on the the show here um yeah great to be here uh, yeah no i'm really happy i'm gonna catch up with you as soon as this recording's done um, all right for for anyone that you know saw the podcast listen to the podcast uh listen to your mom uh <laughs> you, you never know what's happening uncertainty is okay and uh kind of go with the flow um just leave go to utah start skiing at five in the morning you know you never know what's gonna happen i'll get um, you in a, i'll get you in a good place here guys come through <laughs> uh, and on that note peace out guys thanks for listening later